Well, I am finally here. <laughs> not anticipating being here, not hoping to be here, not discerning whether or not I should be here, or not imagining what here is like, which would take you all the way back to last fall. This journey has been a significantly spiritual one for me. When I reflect on the reality that it was only nine months ago that I wrote a cover letter to the search committee, and now the first floor boxes are completely unpacked, I stand in awe before God. It occurred to me that I've shared this story with a lot of important people in my life, but I haven't shared it with you. You've heard it somewhat from the search committee and the vestry, but I would like to tell you how God has been working in this for me over these months. So this morning you're going to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, according to Whitney Alltop. <laughs> but I am going to allow Ephesians to assist me in telling this experience. My discernment for a new position began about two years ago, actually a little more than two years ago. I put my name into a rector search because a friend of mine told me that I should. That year I put my name into several searches. Although my application process was somewhat casual, the act of interviewing began to stir up questions that I hadn't really considered, such as what does draw me to a particular congregation? Where do I think that the church is headed in the next five years? What are my strengths and challenges in ministry? Fueled by these questions, my applications the second year became much more intentional. My spiritual director and my mentors and close Christian friends helped me develop a discerning eye. I determined not to judge too prematurely, but if there was any position that matched on enough particularities, I would apply. I wondered out loud if I would really be able to tell the difference between a call and just a good spot. After all, I really do believe the words in Ephesians that we state at baptism. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. So, seeing as we are all unified through our relationship with God, I really wondered how different the relationship I would have with churches could be. And the answer is very different. There are a lot of good churches out there doing a lot of good work. And I know this because I talked with them. One week last October, I had three interviews in two days. I had declared a particular outfit as my interview outfit from the fall 2011, winter 2012 closet line. <laughs> I wore it for every first interview. At the beginning of November, I was gone one day every week to interview on site. And surprisingly, the visits revealed to me that they weren't the right fit. I was surprised because it looked on paper that it would be a very good match. I had committed to not let fear play a role in this discernment since it didn't have the stability to be the foundation for such a significant decision. To determine to go somewhere reacting to fear would be like building my house on the sand. I received many opportunities to commit myself to not reacting to fear, such as when my clergy friends would say, there aren't very many full-time clergy spots even open out there. 
or when I looked at my kids and the window of transition seemed to be closing, or the full-time positions that were available that could support my family with salary and living space and educational opportunities seemed to be fewer and fewer. I let go of a couple positions without certainty that there was another option on the horizon, but it just didn't seem right to hold on to something that was clearly not the right fit. Thank goodness for Christian friends who helped me in this discipline and encouraged me in the faithfulness that applying for a new position had become. There was one particular church that I was really excited about. I was telling several of my clergy friends, which included Emily Richards, who I know that you know, I was telling them about this at a gathering. A little later, I said to Emily, you know, I put my name in for St. Stephen's in Ridgefield. Isn't that where you came from? And she said, yes. I said, will you tell them about me? She said, but you were just going on and on about this other church. I said, I know, Emily, but I can't count any of these eggs as chicks until they actually hatch. And she said, that's true. Yes, I will tell them about you. She said, I know the search committee chair quite well. Well, two months later, I had my final interview with that church that I was so excited about. And the next day, John Morrison called me to invite me to a Skype interview the following week. I agreed as an act of faithfulness to God. I donned my interview outfit and plugged in my computer. It was a fine interview. However, it was the next day that God spoke. Within one hour, I got a call from the church I was so excited about and John Morrison. The church that I had been so excited about called to tell me they had good news and bad news. The good news is that they were unanimous in their decision of who to call to be the next rector, and the bad news is that it wasn't me. I was truly disappointed not to be the unanimous choice. John called me within that same hour and invited me to come up here for an interview at the beginning of February. And incidentally, that same day, Michael got an offer of a professional position in his field in Philadelphia. It was an intense Friday. I came up here at the beginning of February and I had a good time. When Bill Snelling said to me at the end of the first in-person interview, We like you. Do you like us? (laughs) I said, yes. He said, seriously? I said, seriously. (laughs) I had come to learn that this congregation, generally speaking, is intense. Type A, with an educated opinion on just about everything. (laughs) To which I said, that's me too. (laughs) I have complete sympathy for this blessing and curse. My late father told me some 15 years ago, Whitney, I think that your idol is most people's second gear. This was good for me to be aware of. I've been conscious of other people's RPMs ever since so that I don't accidentally run over them while I'm sitting still. It seems like there are many people here who have the similar revolutions per minute to my own. But what has struck me about your intensity and your type A tendency is that you want to do ministry that actually changes people's lives. And to engage in worship and fellowship through St. Stephen's that allows God to change yours in whatever way God sees fit. In the weeks that followed, I dug deeper and looked wider into who you are as a congregation, and the search committee did the same with me and my ministry. John called me every Thursday for a don't forget about us phone call 
Which? <laughs> He's mad because I didn't introduce him at the beginning of worship. <laughs> he is the biggest evangelist for St. Stephen's Church right now, I think. He's met everybody in town. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> so as I was saying, it was difficult for me to forget about you. The time came for my name to go before the vestry, and thank goodness it was before Holy Week so that I could be distracted from my temptation to impatience. In my last phone call with John before the presentation to the vestry, he said to me, I was trying to think of how best to prepare you for your meeting of the vestry, and it occurred to me that the best advice I can give you is to be yourself. You came, and we loved you. And I said, the feeling is mutual. He said, so be yourself. When I hung up the phone, I thought, I am being invited into ministry where I am asked to be myself. Who doesn't want to work in a place where that is what you're asked to do? And that I can do, because I've been practicing that for a long time, even in difficult situations. In fact, I think that is what we're being reminded of in the letter to the Ephesians that our gifts that each of us are given are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. This idea of living together as the body of Christ is expressed in Corinthians and other letters of Paul, and the point is the same in each. Speaking the truth in love, as it says in Ephesians, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. That is what was beginning to happen to me and you, the people of St. Stephen's. We were beginning to be knit together so that we might promote the building up of the body of Christ in love. When I left town after the interview with the vestry that Tuesday after Easter, I was surprised by my sadness at leaving. I said to Michael out loud, what is this about? I'm supposed to remain professionally detached from this process. When Mike Ryan called me that Friday night to say that the vestry had met to reflect on the interviews that they had had that week, and that they felt like they needed time to digest all that they had taken in and would likely make their decision of who would be the next rector at the next vestry meeting 10 days later. I was cautiously listening to every word. I didn't want to read into anything. At the conclusion of our conversation, I said, so I'll continue to hope. And he said, yes, and pray. And I said, yes, and pray. <laughs> now I must interject here that this was not a completely new idea to me, but I was also very glad to be reminded. I'm always glad when someone else thinks of prayer besides me. So in that week of waiting, I considered how to pray. I no longer had the temptation to impatience. I was now faced with my familiar temptation to react to the fear. I was tempted to draw back from this whole experience because of my fear of being hurt if the outcome wasn't what I wanted. I was tempted to keep things at arm's length because of the fear of being rejected or not chosen. 
but I had committed from the get-go of this discernment process that fear would not play a role in it, and I had been successful in that discipline until this point, and I was not going to give in to the temptation at this final hour. So I prayed. Uncertain of how to pray, God gave me an idea. I would go around the circle of vestry members as I remembered them from that final interview, and I would lift each person up by name and ask that God would simply satisfy whatever remains. Because you see, I didn't and still don't know what each person is looking for in their rector and priest, but God knows that. So I asked God to satisfy whatever remained. Now I know that prayer softens the heart, but I was surprised by what happened when I was barely three to four people into the circle. As my heart began to soften, St. Stephen's burrowed itself further into it. I remember that my eyes flew open in my silent prayer, surprised at what had just happened. I could no longer remain professionally detached. Yet, I had no fear. In the depths of love that was firmly rooted in me toward this congregation, I had a peace that passes understanding. The vulnerability that I felt in my desire to be here only made me feel stronger in the confidence that God was a part of all of this. I continued my prayers around the circle, but this time acknowledging that the love for all of the people at St. Stephen's would grow. As I anticipated that vestry meeting, I did have a contingency plan should the worst case scenario come to pass. I had a friend lined up to come to my house and take care of my kids and feed me comfort food. But I really eagerly anticipated the upcoming vestry meeting so that the vestry could meet and decide that they needed to call me as the next rector. And I am delighted that they did. In the weeks that followed, I witnessed God tend to the needs and desires of my family in ways that I couldn't imagine. God remembered each one of the Alltop family. This has strengthened my confidence in this calling and given me encouragement in this crazy idea that Michael and I should uproot our family after nine months of consideration and plop them in a high-profile setting for an indefinite number of years during the formative time of their lives. It seems that God has determined that each of us can serve him best by serving him together. As the saying goes, the indicative implies the imperative. God has worked in us to bring us together and now expects us to allow him to work in each of us as we work together. We are being asked, even expected, to continue to let that happen so that we can lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. By doing this, we give glory to God. By doing this, we witness God's glory. By doing this, God's glory will be made known in us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.